1: and welcome to Episode 78 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis.
2: And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors.
1: Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free
2: 30-day trial at firmmanager.com L-T-N. And Clio, Online Practice Management for Attorneys at GoClio.com.
1: In our last podcast, we talked about the new iPad, its implications for lawyers, and whether it heralds a post-PC world. In this episode, we offer some new perspectives on our favorite legal technology conference, the ABA Tech Show, and share some suggestions how legal tech conferences can benefit you even if you don't attend them. Tom, what's on tap for this episode?
2: Well, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll talk about how to use technology conferences to set your firm's tech agenda. In our second segment, we'll revisit the topic of our last episode, the new iPad, and we'll finish up with our parting shots that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our first subject, and that is ABA Tech Show and how to use technology conferences to set your own firm's technology agenda. We're always excited, Dennis, I think, during ABA Tech Show time. We talk about it on this podcast a lot. We both believe that it's one of the best conferences for lawyers to learn more about uh, the technologies that can help them provide better services to their clients. The problem with doing a podcast on Tech Show, I think, is that a lot of you who are listening can't go or will not go. And by the time some of you listen to this, Tech Show will have come and gone. So it's not very timely for you. So we thought we'd take the idea of ABA Tech Show and And talk about it from a different perspective, one that uh, we hope anyway can help you long after tech show's over. Dennis, what's that new perspective on tech show that you'd like to discuss?
1: Well, Tom, I, it's actually a really simple technology agenda planning technique that I've used um, in the past. And it's it's almost uh, it takes you away from the actual attendant itself to focusing more on, on on just the schedule for the for the conference. And I've given this a lot of thought, Tom, as you know, because unfortunately, uh, I have a blood clot in my leg that's going to keep me from from going to tech show this this year. Uh, can't travel. And I'm grateful to you. For taking over one of my sessions, I was going to speak at and to the others who've been able to help out. So I'm sort of going to be on the sidelines this year. And, and that made me think about um, how this sort of new, uh, new way of, of. Being part of a conference without actually being there. So I I think there's sort of two themes that we want to talk about a little bit at time. One is, is just a simple, a simple technology planning technique of, of looking at the agenda or schedule for, for the prominent legal technology conferences or even a solo and small firm conference in your, in your state where they're doing a significant uh, technology set of programs, and then using that as a, just a simple way to figure out what should be on your own tech agenda. And then I thought we'd also maybe talk about ways, as I say, through social media and, and other uh, ways of using the internet and communicating with people that you can sort of feel like you're attending a legal tech conference, uh, even, though, even though you're not there. Um, Tom, what do you think along those lines?
2: Well, you know, I, I I agree with you. I think that it is a, a very simple matter to take what you've what you see on a on a tech conference agenda and and use that as a blueprint or at least as the start of a roadmap on what is the technology that you need to focus on for your law firm. I, I think that technology conferences generally try to cover two types of things. They try to cover the hottest issues of the moment and as well as the trends that lawyers should be aware of that are coming in the next. I think you're too. Uh, now, many, many people, I think, come away from conferences like Tech Show with a good plan of how they want to approach their firm technology for the next year. I see people either writing blog comments or on Twitter saying, I, I have enough ideas now to last me the whole year, if not if not more than a year uh, to, to actually put things into into a practice. Now, I think what's tough uh, is uh, is how do you do that? I think that if you're comfortable enough just looking at the schedule uh, and the first thing you do with Tech Show anyway is review that schedule. There's six tracks a day on different technology topics. There's more than 50 sessions over the two and a half days that Tech Show is going to be there. So that's a lot of technology topics to think about. And I think that that's a lot of food for thought. But some of you may want more than that. Some of you may want more information uh, on uh, on 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 the topics and and just having a, a bullet headline and then a couple of uh, descriptive sentences to tell you a little bit more about the topic that may be not maybe not enough for you. So what are some other ways to to deal with it? I think certainly there are bloggers who blog about Tech Show during the the uh, the conference, but you know you can't really rely on the bloggers to post the information that you need to read. They're going to talk to you about the show and what they thought and they're probably not going to give you as much, I think, substantive information as you're as you're going to want to need to help prepare you for, for setting an agenda. I think Twitter, to a certain extent, is a good way to get brief tidbits of information. I think the best tweets that I see coming from conferences are those that recommend a, a website or an app or give a really concrete recommendation that's useful to lawyers. But I have to say, my big complaint about Twitter and people who tweet from conferences is that they tend to state the obvious as if the speaker that they're repeating is stating some just amazing new idea. I see tweets like, security is important for mobile devices. Well, duh. Uh, They they, they tend to take the obvious things and tweet them as if they are incredibly important. I think what would be really helpful would be a tweet that says something like, use this product to help with mobile security, or use a 12-digit password to keep your mobile device secure, something like that. so I think I think most conference tweeters have a lot to learn. My recommendation and then I'd like to hear yours Dennis. My recommendation actually is even if you can't make the conference in person I'd invest in the materials from the conference. If you're really interested in learning more about the topics, granted, and I'll give you an example from Tech Show. I mean, the, you'll get a USB drive with papers from every single session. Yeah, it's $395. It's not cheap to get it. But when you consider that that's at least 50 or more articles, which means that you're only paying, I think, less than $8 each for articles, consider... Uh, that a part of your technology planning budget for the year. I I think that eight bucks an article on all of these amazing technology topics is not a lot to spend. And I think you can use the articles to start to plan out your technology plan for the coming year. So Dennis, what uh, what kind of recommendations would you have on how... You know, do they just use the schedule? Do you have other ways that, that they can use tech, tech show to their benefit to set a technology agenda?
1: Yeah, I, I sort of see it as a sort of streamlining approach. So so if you're on a, a law firm technology committee or you're doing the technology at, at your own firm or a small firm, I think that when you look at the whole world of legal technology, it can feel a little overwhelming. And, and so you want to try to narrow that down. And so the conference planners, uh, as you said, Tom, are really trying to do a good job of identifying the hot topics, the most important topics, and the topics where there seem to be the most interest. So rather than you trying to figure that out for yourself, you can kind of leverage that. And at a big show like you know Legal Tech New York or ILTA or or ABA Tech Show, there's still an overwhelming amount on the schedule, but I think that schedule is really a great place to start. I mean... um, when we look for topics for this podcast, or for my, you know, some of my like my ABA journal column, or when I'm writing something, I often look at the, at the technology show of schedules just to get an idea of, of what people might be interested in and what people are talking about. So I think that as you as you look at planning, just look at it as here's a great way to narrow. I can kind of leverage what the conference planners have decided are important, and then uh, and and then make decisions about my own based on that, because if I pick some of those things, I'm probably getting myself in the right direction on planning. Now, when you when a conference is going on, I I think it's become really interesting. There's not a lot of uh, the sort of streaming or uh, sort of web versions of stuff as you might see in other industries. But uh, as you said, blogs, uh, some people live blog where they're essentially posting their notes from sessions that they're at. Uh, People will tweet during sessions. I agree with you, Tom. When I've had some of my sessions tweeted it sort of I sort of feel like captain obvious when I'm <laughs> when I'm reading the the tweets that summarize exactly. summarize what we do and time sure. I know that once a couple of years ago at tech show we did a, a session I think it was on collaboration tools where we did the slides in 140 characters or less on each slide. And, and it was kind of interesting because people tended to tweet exactly what was on our slides. So in a way, it gave you a little bit of control over the message that was going out. So I would say it's useful to know the official show hashtag um, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the hashtag will be ABA tech show at, at tech show. And then if you search on that, you're going to see everything is posted. And that's really a great way to see which sessions are really hot, which generate a lot of, of discussion and some of the topics that there are sort of hot topics. I think that can, can also help you. So, uh, so I think the combination of all of those things can are, even if you don't attend the conference, will give you a great takeaway. And so what I would step back, and I've sometimes suggested to people, is that you, you take a look at the schedule, you look at the key tracks, you look at some of the sessions. I would also focus on keynotes, plenary sessions, because those are generally considered the topics that are the most interest to people. I'd probably take a glance to see uh, you know the exhibit hall to see who some of the main Exhibitors are, uh, and that will also give me a feel for what uh, maybe what products are important. So I think that would be the the starting point and where I would suggest people uh, start with that. But Tom, why don't we just? Uh, Instead of sort of talking about this, let's, let's take our own look at the tech show agenda and, and see what, what we think it might tell a lawyer or a law firm uh, to put on their own legal technology agenda for this year. I know you, you picked out a few things. But why don't we start with the the paperless office concept?
2: Well, sure, the, and that's and that's usually where uh, tech show winds up starting. And it's I, I think it's interesting that that uh, a, a lot of lawyers are still looking at uh, the paperless office as a new thing. But um, but I, I I really believe that more and more lawyers are either completely paperless or at least paper less, less paper in their office than they have before. And and so I think that you'll find that the that the the sessions at tech show deal with that. So you'll, you'll have a, 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 uh, uh, a session on making the business case, uh, convincing your firm it's time to go paperless. How do you show the return on investment uh, for doing that? So that's going to appeal to the companies that uh, and the firms that haven't done it. Uh, managing the transition, assuming that you're in that position, assuming you're in that place, uh, learning how to make the transition from a, a papered environment to one of less paper documents. Uh, and, and then down to the more practical, how do I find documents in a paperless office? How do I get... To that information uh, and find it. That's hitting on really one of the big issues of the paperless office. Is I I can generally, even though it might take me a while, get down to that paper document because I know that it's in one of these two or three boxes here. Uh, when it's electronic, it's awful hard. So that's that's a huge issue when we think about paperless office. And then uh, and and then finally, even more practical, um, how to how to manage PDF, how to manage Adobe Acrobat, and kind of the tips and tricks and the ways to. To, uh, to, to to work with Acrobat in order to make sure that the. Electronic documents that you uh, that you do own and, and that you do create are, uh, are you 're able to search and find them and are and they are usable uh, within your firm, Dennis, anything else you 'd like to cover on on that topic? Yeah,
1: yeah a couple of things I, so I think the paperless office, which I always associate with Ross Codner historically because uh, I think he pioneered uh, so many things and certainly the discussion of, of paperless office, tends to get associated with being a solo small firm issue, but I think it 's really important in and the bigger firm as well. And, and sort of my simple way of thinking about this is that so many firms are paying essentially Class A uh, commercial lease rates to store paper. And that seems like a, a very, very expensive way to store paper. So you can sometimes think about paperless In those terms. But I I think that um, you step back and you go, as you suggested, Tom, there's a couple components that people are really interested in that are sort of where the, you know, the rubber hits the road. So scanner, how do you do scanning? What scanner do I buy? How do I do that? How do I set those things up? Um, then I think there's the Adobe Acrobat uh, part of it, which is, is really important, how to become, uh, you know, really an expert on Adobe Acrobat and really take advantage of how much it can do for you. And then, Tom, your area as well, records management. I, I think that um, it's not I, I think you have this idea. Oh, I'm just going to eliminate all paper. That doesn't make sense. What you want to say is I. what I want to do is I want to get documents and the other information I have into a system that makes it easy for me to find information inexpensive to store and, and and you know cheap and easy to to access and so i think if that everybody can take advantage of this paperless office and you know maybe there's a better name for it but i but i think that's really it's it's just part of productivity and, and improving your practice and so that's why i think it's a key topic and not just a solo small firm topic Tom, I think the next thing we had up was uh, was mobile, which is which is huge this year.
2: Well, it's it's huge, and it's getting it's getting even bigger uh, every time. And I think that if you if you look at the sessions that they're covering at tech show, I think they're covering the main things that uh, that lawyers need to hear about uh, when they're thinking about being more mobile. And and they're really, uh, I think the, the the morning sessions are devoted to to wars, smartphone wars, and tablet wars. And essentially, those are telling you which ones are the best ones for. lawyers. To use uh, whether an Android device or a, a Blackberry or a, an iPhone is going to work, whether you want an iPad or you want uh, one of the Android tablets or a Blackberry Playbook, something like that, um, going through the pros and cons and which of the devices make the most sense for lawyers. But that's some of the questions that you're going to have to answer too if you decide you want to deploy or use more mobile devices in your firm. Uh, obviously, the next question to ask is I need to make sure that this data is secure. And so there is a session. Uh, uh, cleverly titled coffee shop office but it's really the ethics of mobile computing making sure that your mobile computing is safe whenever you take your client's data or access your client's data outside of the office making sure that you are helping uh, to, to keep it secure and that you are not doing anything that uh, that inadvertently uh, uh, lets it get into the hands of other people and, and then finally I think another question that people who want to go mobile is is that mobile's no good to me if I can't keep it synchronized? Across all devices, I want it. I want the same document that I pull up on my iPad to be the same as when I get home and and work on my home computer, and and the same when I get to the office the next day at work. And I think that that is again a huge issue you know, when we think about uh, when we think about mobile technology. And and those are some of the questions that if you're trying to roll out a mobile initiative at your firm, you need to be thinking about. Those are some of the things that need to be answered uh, before I think you can successfully start to. Uh, to, to use those tools in your in your office. Dennis?
1: Yeah, I, I think you've covered it well, Tom. I, I would add that uh, this is all part of that we've talked about in the past is the consumerization of, of technology. So, so you yep. see what we're doing on the outside at home, uh, coming into the office. I, I think the bring your own device uh, uh, movement I'll call it uh is, is definitely come on because people need to think about how they integrate mobile devices into their their current law firm systems. Um, security is huge um, there's a lot to think about some of it's common sense, but you just kind of need to to have a good overview of of all the different security issues and then I think the the other big thing in mobile is that the whole notion of of uh, anytime anywhere access to your documents and and to your work and and so um, any of those could go on your your legal tech agenda for the year uh, well, but I think it 's you know mobile is is just such a big topic, and, and as you say, time becoming even bigger. Timeless, uh, we we sort of went with three big ones. So the last one we had up, and I know we're leaving quite a few out, is cloud computing.
2: Well, that's right. Yeah, we're leaving a lot out, and 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 take a look at the tech show schedule. We're we're not you know, in this podcast, talking about digital marketing or litigation technology, e-discovery, those things, uh, cl- uh, collaboration tools. There are a number of, of topics that we just don't have time to, to mention in this podcast, but we thought we'd cover some of the biggest ones. And And frankly, I think that that of the hot topics, both mobile and cloud computing are are really the two hottest. And cloud computing, I think, because lawyers are are one finding that there are a lot of cloud products out there. They want to learn about them. They want to know more about what they do, but they also want to make sure that they're safe and that they're secure. When I go out and talk to people on the iPad, the number one question I get every time is, "How can I make sure that the documents that I'm accessing from services like Dropbox or or other cloud providers are going to be safe?" And I'm going to be keeping my client documents uh, secure and confidential. And I think that's that's why the first session um, of that that cloud computing uh, uh, track is how to stay safe in the cloud. And and that because that is the number one question I think that's on all lawyers' minds is making sure that the data that I have is safe, is secure, um, is kept away from people who want to get a hold of that. Uh, but there's a lot of information though about cloud computing that lawyers still don't understand. I- is it is it all or nothing? Uh, Do I go completely to the cloud? Are there products that some of it stays on my own computers and and I keep it here, but then I use a cloud for for some data and it stores some information on someone else's computer. So there'll be sessions that talk about uh, hosted infrastructure versus uh, software as a service versus platform as a service and different types of cloud structures. Uh, we'd, we'd be talking about whether or not the cloud services uh, differ for solo and small firms. Obviously, uh, big firms probably make take advantage of certain services that solo and small firms either don't want or can't afford. And so you'll break down from a price perspective and from a scalability perspective what types of tools uh, solo and small firms can use. And then, and then the day that, that track finishes out with uh, running your practice entirely from the cloud, if that's something you want to do, if it makes sense for for you as a lawyer to uh, to have all of your information from the cloud, uh, from starting up a cloud practice all the way to a large virtual firm, so that your firm is actually virtual, you run it all online and uh, and and don't have either a physical office or or, or physical fi- uh, files anywhere in uh, in your office, either by a computer server or paper records or anything. So you can see that it kind of runs the gamut, I think, from uh, from from Being safe, but also understanding what's out there. And I think that for most lawyers who are learning more about cloud computing, those are really the questions that they want answered. And if you're setting a tech agenda, I think those are the questions that first you need to start thinking about. Dennis?
1: Yeah, let me plug that last session of the day, because that's the one that I was going to speak at. And uh, uh, thanks to my co-presenter, Chad Burton, and Catherine Sanders-Reach is going to sub for me. But what we decided at the end of the day made sense for that session was do to sort of 50 or 60 tips approach to the ethical and and other issues. And, and some of our best practical tips that we uh, we had for cloud computing. And I, so I think that will be a really good uh, sort of either intro or summary session, however you wanted to do it. But I, I think it's uh, it's interesting in the overlap with mobile here, because cloud computing does raise some interesting ethical and security issues. The whole bring your own device thing, the using the online services comes into play anytime, anywhere access and, and sort of that consumerization, because of people using Macs and and other uh, sort of non I, I don't know whether it's right to call them non-traditionally more but sort of non-traditional approaches the iPads, the, the tablets, those sort of things are using cloud services and so um, it's difficult for, for lawyers uh, to stay away from cloud computing and a lot of their clients are, are starting to go that way as well so uh, again, a really big area. And, uh, you know, looking through the agenda, trying to get a hold of materials, following the, the hashtags during these sessions could be a great way to, to help you know how to put this on your legal tech agenda. Tom, let's, do you want to wind things up here?
2: So I think that from a strategy standpoint, uh, you know, if you can't attend, uh, I, I still recommend uh, buying the materials because I think that the materials are going to get you, uh, especially if you don't really know the topics well. I think that's going to get you as much or more information uh, as you could get uh, than following blogs or following Twitter, as helpful as they might be. I really think that getting the materials is the most helpful. But once you've done that, um, you know, pick one or two topics on the schedule. Say that it's mobile office and cloud computing, the big topics or or just paperless if you want to get a hold on paperless and read through the articles and and, and figure out what you've learned about the topics and figure out that there those those articles hopefully are going to take you through what are the important steps that experts say you need to follow to achieve, for example, a paperless office or to get to a certain part of a paperless office that you've been trying to, uh, to get in touch with. And then take those steps, take what those steps are, and, and map that out. Put together a project plan or an implementation plan over the next year that here are the things that the experts at TechShow think I should do. And then as you need to, bring in other resources, whether they're web resources, whether you bring in a vendor, whether you bring in a trusted consultant or someone to help with that, but, but at least use the materials and everything that you learned from tech show to uh, to at least start mapping out that plan I wouldn't go hold hog we could have mentioned all 11 tracks that are out there I pick one or two for the year and I think that will take up a lot of time during the, the the coming months Dennis your tips to take us out of the segment
1: yeah I'm always thinking of the lawyers who are on tech committees and law firms and how can how can I make how can I help them and make their life a little easier and give them some direction. And so I I just think that, as you said, Tom, attending is best if you can get to a tech show, but, uh, or any of the other conferences, but if you can't go, there's some really great ways that you can leverage what's out there, look at the schedule, the agenda. And then also I think this sort of virtual attendance and for, for those of people who don't really get Twitter, I think that following, doing searches on ABA tech show or finding the official hashtag, which will have the little pound sign in front of that, during the show and seeing what happens when you go to search.twitter.com and following that um, will really give you a sense of the potential power of Twitter to see what's, what's going on and, and to follow an event in, in real time in really interesting ways. So um, if you can't go, I just think there's a lot of great ways to,
2: that you can still learn and benefit. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, Clio and Firm Manager by LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look
0: at the process of moving to the cloud.
2: Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process?
1: No, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a a web-based practice management system like Clio... There's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days.
2: We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio.
0: Thank you so much, Jack.
1: Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel
0: free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report... You might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. If you're like many solo and small firm attorneys, it can be challenging to manage both your practice and give your clients the attention they need. Well, now you can do it all free for 30 days with LexisNexis Firm Manager. Built from the ground up for attorneys like you, it's an easy way to get organized, master your business, and keep your clients happy. Firm Manager is secure, web-based, and mobile, so you can manage your practice anytime, anywhere, from your laptop, smartphone, iPad, or tablet. No IT hassles, no long-term commitments, and best of all, no more worries about what needs to be done. Get your free 30-day trial of LexisNexis Firm Manager today at firmmanager.com LTN. That's firmmanager.com LTN. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com.
2: And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we revisit
1: our topic from the last episode, the new iPad. The early iPad sales reports indicate massive sales. Unfortunately, I've had to delay my own purchase if it, as I've had to attend to the health issue I mentioned. But Tom, you got your new iPad on the very first day and just in time for the launch of your new iPad apps in one hour for lawyers book. Tom, what do you have to report about your new iPad experience?
2: You know, I really like it. Um, I, I, I posted some thoughts on my iPad blog, and I'll put the, the, the link to that in the show notes. I think that if you don't have a tablet... If you only have an iPad 1, I think that it makes immediate sense to get an iPad, the, the new iPad. We're not going to say iPad 3, we're not going to say iPad HD, it's actually just the new iPad. And I recommend that if you if you don't have a tablet or or you have the first one, then uh, then go out and buy it. If you have the iPad 2, I think it depends on a couple of things. One, do you really want a a high quality resolution screen? And and I I'll, I'll be honest, It's hard for me to tell the difference just at the beginning. As I have begun using the new iPad more and more, it becomes more and more obvious to me that uh, it's a much clearer, much easier to read. My eye strain, I think, is a little bit less. It's not as tiring for me to read and look at the iPad. But if you put the two of them up together, you're not automatically going to see just this amazing, amazing difference that at least I wasn't able to. Uh, If you want to take Amazing pictures. I will say that the, the the quality of the pictures is tremendously different. Uh, and, and so, if you want to take pictures, want to be able to watch high definition video, then I think that's a good reason to get it. And then the third reason is if you want to take advantage of the 4G speed and a higher speed uh, uh, network. I'm I'm hearing that actually uh, the 4G networks in some areas are are outpacing that of Wi-Fi. So I find I think that those are if those are compelling reasons to you to get. An iPad, then certainly do it. Now, one thing you should be careful of, and you may have heard that it's a—I uh, don't know—my iPad is hot gate or warm iPad gate or whatever you want to call it. There are some issues, and I do notice it with mine that uh, that there is a a it is a warmer a device than my iPad two was. Part of the reason for that, or at least maybe most of the reason, in my opinion, is that uh, that the, uh, the the iPad the third edition, the new version, has a much bigger battery than the iPad 2. And uh, so when you're running games for long periods of time or if it just happens to be on for a while, there's a part of it that's going to get war- warm. It's not going to be burn your hand warm or uh, or I can fry an egg on it warm, although you'll see some websites where they try to do that. Uh, but it's still noticeably warm. If that's an issue, then you may want to forego it. But I, it's not so far affecting my use of the iPad. It's just a little bit... Uh, I, I tend to keep my hands away from there because uh, even though it's not hot, it's not necessarily comfortable either. It's not cool, so um, that's really the only thing I've noticed. Otherwise, I really do like it, Dennis.
1: Well, I can report to our listeners that I've now gone two weeks since the launch with without the the new iPad, and and I seem to have been able to survive. So it's possible to survive without the new iPad at least <laughs> at least for a few weeks. Um, yeah, I, I read the same things that you do, Tom, and, and it, it seems like people are really happy with this. And as I said before, if, if, if you want to buy a new iPad, it's given, they've given you, Apple's given you plenty of reasons to justify that purchase. If you don't want to buy one, uh, you know, there's also reasons not to justify that. So I, I think the iPad 2 with the lower price is is very interesting. But I, I think, you know, ultimately, I, I'm planning to buy the new iPad. I'm really intrigued by it. The heat issue, I think is, um, seems like it shows up for people using these really processor-intensive games, which I'm not one of those people. So I've, I have... Uh, a bit less concern about that, and some of the other features. And clean one you didn't mention, and I don't know, if people have had that much chance to play with. But the sort of voice dictation features are that's that's one that really interests me, uh, when, and that I'll expect to try when I get the get the new iPad. Tom, closing well, I think- thoughts.
2: I, well, I think that the voice dictation feature is a- excellent. I actually have, um, I, I don't typically like to talk into the iPad, but I will say that I, I think it works very well. I have used, g- the, the, I have a Google app on my iPad, and it also has voice commands, and you can type your, or, or talk your search into the Google app. And I have to say that the uh, the technology with Google, at least on my iPad, is not as good as the dictation that comes built into the iPad. It was, it was much easier. I, I gave it a... Uh, I gave it a proper name of a, of a pizza place in town the other day. We wanted to order pizza, and I needed a phone number, and Google failed. Google did not understand the word, but the iPad worked, and so that's, I think, is one one benefit. Now, one, one thing that is interesting about the dictation and, and that has come out is that when you're dictating, uh, that information doesn't stay on your iPad. It is actually being uploaded to Apple servers where they're analyzing it and – keeping it at least for a period of time, if not for longer than that. And so uh, you want to make sure that you think about whether you're actually dictating confidential information, because even though Apple may have no interest in giving that to anybody or turning it over, uh, you don't know what they're going to do with it. And because you don't know what's happening to it, that's, I think, a good reason to at least be careful with it.
1: Well, now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
2: Well, I'm going to stay a little bit with our Tech Show topic uh, and, and talk about new technology books from the Law Practice Management section. If you can't make Tech Show, uh, the Law Practice Management section of the ABA has just released a number of really, really great books on technology just in time for ABA Tech Show. Uh, there's at least five. I think there's probably more, but the ones that just came out this week include LinkedIn, in one hour for lawyers by my good friend Dennis Kennedy and Allison Shields Uh, Microsoft OneNote in one hour by Ben Shore Uh, my book came out iPad apps in one hour for lawyers Uh, locked down information security for lawyers which is by Sharon Nelson John Simic and Dave Reese and then limited scope representation unbundling and the self help client that's by Steph Kimbrough all of them I highly recommend they're all great resources for those individual topics Uh, as I have Mentioned uh, ad nauseum on this podcast, I believe the law practice management section uh, provides superior content for teaching lawyers how to be better stewards of the technology that they use in their practice. And these are yet other uh, examples of that uh, of, of how greater resource LPM is. Dennis? Yeah.
1: And, and on behalf of Allison and, and me that we're just, we've been thrilled with the positive response we've gotten to the, from the early readers of our LinkedIn book. And Allison will be doing a, a by herself, unfortunately, uh, meet the author session at Tech Show. So you have the chance to, to, uh, hear Allison who's, just terrific on this topic, talk about LinkedIn. But my parting shot is uh, from another of my favorite blogs that I go to from time to time for the parting shot. It's the How To Geek blog. And a big issue that I think lawyers don't pay enough attention to. I mean, we think about it, but we don't really do that much about it is, is encryption. And sort of the classic free encryption tool is, is a program called TrueCrypt. And recently the How To Geek uh, blog did, uh, their, a guide to hiding your data in a TrueCrypt hidden volume. So, and I think it's a great step by step. thing to show you how to experiment with encryption and so full disk encryption which is one way to go is a little bit scary because you're encrypting your whole disk and if you forget your password or something then the whole disk is gone but TrueCrypt will allow you to create sort of a hidden volume so you can encrypt data and then hide the place where it's at so if somebody comes onto your computer they're probably unless they're really good they're probably not going to even know there's a place to look for the encrypted data so it's a nice way to experiment and good step step-by-step approach in, in that blog post.
2: So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, are available on our uh, show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us and give us a tweet at... TKM Report. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm
1: Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Whether or not you attend Tech Show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast
0: on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives shareholders and subsidiaries none of the content should be considered legal advice as always consult a lawyer thanks for listening to the kennedy mile report check out dennis and tom's book the lawyer's guide to collaboration tools and technologies smart ways to work together from aba books or amazon and join us every other week for another edition of the kennedy mile report only on the legal talk network